0: Chapter Two of the Rose Garden Husband. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Herndon Bell. The Rose Garden Husband by Margaret Whittemer. Chapter Two. He was gray-haired, pink-cheeked, curvingly side-whiskered, and immaculately grey-clad, and he did not look in the least like a messenger of fate. The library teacher was at a highly keyed part of her narrative, and even the most fidgety children were tense and open-mouthed. "'And where art thou now?' cried the stranger to Robin Hood, and Robin roared with laughter. "'Oh, in the flood and floating down the stream "'with all the little fishes,' said he. She was relating breathlessly. "'Teacher?' hissed Isaac Rabinowitz, "'snapping his fingers at her at this exciting point. "'Teacher? There's a guy who wants to speak to you.' "'Ah, shut up,' chorused his indignant little schoolmates. "'Can't you see the teacher's telling the story? "'Go chase yourself.' Go do a tango round the block. Isaac, a small Polish Jew, with tragic dark eyes and one suspender, received these and several more suggestions with all the calm impenetrability of his race. "'Here's the guy,' was all he vouchsafed before he went back to the unsocial nook, where afternoon by faithful afternoon he read away at a fat three-volume life of alexander hamilton the library teacher looked up without stopping her story and smiled a familiar greeting to the elderly gentleman who was waiting a little uncertainly at the children's room door and had obviously been looking for her in vain he smiled and nodded in return just a minute please mr de gunther said the library teacher cheerfully The elderly gentleman nodded again, crossed to Isaac and his ponderous volumes, and began to talk to him with that benign lack of haste which usually means a very competent personality. Phyllis hurried somewhat with Robin Hood among his little fishes, and felt happier. It was always, in her eventless life, something of a pleasant adventure to have Mr. de Gunther or his wife drop in to see her. There was usually something pleasant at the end of it they were an elderly couple whom she had known for some years they were so leisurely and trim and gentle-spoken that long ago when she was only a timorous substitute behind the circle of the big charging-desk she had picked them both out as people you'd like if you got the chance then she had waited on them and identified them by their cards as belonging to the same family then one day with a pleased little quiver of joy She had found him in the city who's who. Age, profession, he was a corporation lawyer, middle names, favourite recreation, and all. Gradually she had come to know them both very well, in a waiting-on way. She had often chose love stories that ended happily and had coloured illustrations for Mrs. de Gunther when she was at home having rheumatism. She had saved more detective stories for Mr. de Gunther than her superiors ever knew. And once she had found his black-rimmed eyeglasses, where he had left them between the pages of the P.R.I. through Z.U.Z. volume of the encyclopedia, and had mailed them to him. When she had vanished temporarily from sight into the nunnery promotion of the cataloguing room, the de Gunthers had still remembered her. Twice she had been asked to Sunday dinner at their house, and had joyously gone, and remembered it as joyously for months afterward. Now that she was out in the light of partial day again, in the children's room, she ran across both of them every little while in her errands upstairs. And once Mrs. de Gunther, gentle, lorgnetted, and grey-clad, had been shown over the children's room. THE COUPLE LIVED ALL ALONE IN A GREAT, HANDSOME OLD HOUSE THAT WAS BEING CROWDED NOW BY THE BUSINESS DISTRICT. SHE HAD ALWAYS THOUGHT THAT IF SHE WERE A THEOSOPHIST, SHE WOULD TRY TO PLAN TO HAVE THEM FOR AN UNCLE AND AUNT IN HER NEXT INCARNATION. THEY SUITED HER EXACTLY FOR THE PARTS. BUT IT'S A LONG WAY DOWN TO THE BASEMENT WHERE CITY LIBRARIES ARE APT TO KEEP THEIR CHILDREN, AND THE De DEGUNTHRES HADN'T BEEN DOWN THERE SINCE THE LAST TIME THEY HAD ASKED HER TO DINNER and here with every sign of having come to say something very special stood mr de guenther phyllis's irrepressibly cheerful disposition gave a little jump toward the light but she went on with her story business before pleasure however she did manage to get robin hood out of his brook a little more quickly than she had planned she scattered her children with a swift executive whisk "'and made so straight for her friend "'that she deceived the children "'into thinking that they were going to see him expelled. "'And they banked up and watched with anticipatory grins. "'I do hope you want to see me especially,' she said brightly. "'The children, disappointed, relaxed their attention. "'Mr. de Gunther rose slowly and neatly from his seat "'beside the rather bored Isaac Rabinowitz.' who dived into his book again with alacrity. "'Good afternoon, Miss Braithwaite,' he said in the amiably precise voice, which matched so admirably his beautifully precise movements and his immaculate grey spats. "'Yes, in the language of our young friend here, I am the guy.' Phyllis giggled before she thought. "'Some people in the world always make your spirits go up with a bound.' "'and the de Gunther pair invariably had that effect on her. "'Oh, Mr. de Gunther,' she said, "'I'm shocked at you. That's slang.' "'It was more in the nature of a quotation,' said he apologetically. "'And how are you this exceedingly unpleasant day, Miss Braithwaite? "'We have seen very little of you lately, Mrs. de Gunther and I.' "'The library teacher, gracefully respectful in her place,' wriggled with invisible impatience over this carefully polite conversational opening he had come down here on purpose to see her there must be something going to happen even if it was only a request to save a seven-day book for mrs de Gunther. nobody ever wanted something any kind of a something to happen more wildly than the library teacher did that bored stickily wet saturday afternoon with those tired seven years at the greenway branch dragging at the back of her neck, and the seven times seven to come making her want to scream. So few things can possibly happen to you, no matter how good you are, when you work by the day. And now, maybe something, oh please, the very smallest kind of a something would be welcomed, was going to occur maybe mrs de guenther had sent her a ticket to a concert she had once before or maybe since you might as well wish for big things while you're at it it might even be a ticket to an expensive seat in a real theatre her pleasure-hungry work-heavy blue eyes burned luminous at the idea but i really shouldn't wish she reminded her prancing mind belatedly he may only have come down to talk about the weather it mayn't any of it be true so she stood up straight and gravely and answered very courteously and holding tightly all the amiable roundabout remarks the old gentleman was shoving forward like pawns on a chess-board before the real game begins she answered with the same trained cheerfulness she could give her library children when her head and her disposition ached worst and even warmed to a vicious enthusiasm over the state of the streets and the wetness of the damp weather. "'He knows lots of real things to say,' she complained to herself. "'Why doesn't he say them, instead of talking editorials? "'I suppose this is his bedside—no, lawyers don't have bedside manners. "'Well, his bar-side manner, then.' It is difficult to think and listen at the same time. By this time she had missed a beautiful long paragraph about the street-cleaning department, and something else, apparently. For her friend was holding out to her a note addressed to her flowingly in his wife's English hand, and was saying, "'Which she has asked me to deliver. I trust you have no imperative engagement for tomorrow night.' Something had happened. "'Why, no.' said the library teacher delightedly no indeed thank you and her too i'd love to come teacher clamoured a small chocolate-coloured citizen in a cupy muffler my ma she wants a book called ugwin she says it got a yellow cover and pictures in it just a moment said phyllis and sent him upstairs with a note asking for hugh wynne in the two-volume edition. She was used to translating the small-coloured boy's demands. Last week he had described to her a play he called East Limb, with the final comment, "'But it wasn't no good. "'Twer'n't no limb in it anywhere, near no trees at all.' "'Do you have much of that?' Mr. Gunther asked idly. "'Lots,' said Phyllis cheerfully. "'You take special training in guesswork at library school.' they call them teasers they say they're good for your intellect ah yes said mr de guenther absently in the barside manner and then sitting calmly with his silvery head against a washington's birthday poster so that three scarlet cherries stuck above him in the manner of a scalp lock he said something else remarkably real i have we have a little matter of business to discuss with you to-morrow night my dear and offer i may say of a different line of work and i want you to satisfy yourself thoroughly thoroughly my dear child of my reputableness mr johnstone the chief of the city library whose office i believe is in this branch is one of my oldest friends i am i think i may say "'well known as a lawyer in this my native city. "'I should be glad to have you satisfy yourself personally on these points, "'because could it be that the eminently poised Mr. de Gunther was embarrassed? "'Because the line of work which I wish, or rather my wife wishes, "'to lay before you is, is a very different line of work,' "'ended the old gentleman inconclusively.' There was no mistake about it this time. He was embarrassed. "'Oh, Mr. de Gunther!' cried Phyllis before she thought, out of the fullness of her heart, catching his arm in her eagerness. "'Oh, Mr. de Gunther! Could the very different line of work have a... have a rose garden attached to it anywhere?' Before she was fairly finished, she knew what a silly question she had asked. HOW COULD ANY LINE OF WORK SHE WAS QUALIFIED TO DO POSSIBLY HAVE ROSE GARDENS ATTACHED TO IT? YOU CAN'T CATALOGUE ROSES ON NEAT CARDS OR IMPROVE THEIR MINDS BY THE NEWARK LADDER SYSTEM OR DO ANYTHING AT ALL LIBRARIOUS TO THEM EXCEPT PRESSING THEM IN BOOKS TO MUMMIFY. AND THE LIBRARY TEACHER DIDN'T THINK THAT WAS AT ALL A COURTEOUS THING TO DO TO ROSES. SO MR. DE GUNTHER'S REPLY QUITE SURPRISED HER there seems to be no good reason he said slowly and placidly as if he were dropping his words one by one out of a slot why there should not be a very satisfactory rose garden or even two connected with it none whatever that was all the explanation he offered but the library teacher asked no more oh she said rapturously "'Then we may expect you tomorrow at seven,' he said, and smiled politely and moved to the door. He walked out as matter of coursely as if he had dropped in to ask the meaning of circumflex, or who invented smallpox, or the name of Adam's house-cat, or how long it would take her to do a graduation essay for his daughter, or any such little things that librarians are prepared for most days. And instead his neat grey elderly back seemed to deny it he had left with her the library teacher her dusty tousled shop-worn phyllis braithwaite an invitation to consider a line of work which was so mysteriously different that she had to look up the spotless de gunther reputation before she came one loses track of time staring at a red george washington poster and wondering about a future with a sudden different line in it. It was ten minutes past putting out children time. She stared aghast at the ruthless clock, then created two monitors for putting out at one royal sweep. She managed the nightly eviction with such gay expedition that it almost felt like ten minutes ago when the place, except for the pride-swollen monitors, was cleared. While these officers watched the commonality clumping reluctantly upstairs toward the umbrella rack, the library teacher paced sedately around the shelves, giving the books that routine straightening they must have before seven struck, and the horde rushed in again. It was really her relieving officers' work, but the library teacher felt that her mind needed straightening too, and this always seemed to do it she looked as she moved slowly down along the shelves very much like most of the librarians you see alert pleasant slender a little dishevelled a little worn but there was really no librarian there there was only phyllis narcissa that dreaming young phyllis who had had to stay pushed out of sight all the seven years that miss braithwaite had been efficiently earning her living she let her mind stray happily as far as it would over the possibilities mr de guenther had held out to her and woke to discover herself trying to find a place under domestic economy condiments for five little peppers and how they grew she laughed aloud in the suddenly empty room and then lifted her head to find miss black the night duty girl that week standing in the doorway ready to relieve guard oh anna see what i've done she laughed somehow everything seemed merely light-hearted and laughable since mr de gunther's most fairy-tale visit with its wild hints of lines of work anna black came looked laughed in the six forties she said well you're liable to do nearly everything by the time it's saturday last saturday dolly graham up in circulation was telling me an old-coloured mammy said she'd lost her mittens in the reading-room. And the first they knew, Dolly was hunting through the woolen goods classification and Mary gaily pawing the dictionary wildly for M.I.T. And they found the mittens hung round her neck by the cord, finished the library teacher. I know, it was a thrilling story. Well, good-bye till Monday, Anna Black. I'm going home now to have some lovely prunes and some real dried beef "'and maybe a glass of almost milk, "'if I can persuade the landlady I need it.' "'Mine prefers dried apricots,' responded Miss Black cheerfully, "'but she never has anything but canned milk in the house, "'thus sparing us the embarrassment of asking for real. "'Good-bye. Good luck.' "'But as the library teacher pinned her serviceable hat close "'and fastened her still good raincoat over her elderly sweater,' neither prunes nor mittens nor next week's work worried her at all after all living among the fairy stories with the little people makes that pleasant land where wanting is having and all the impossibilities can come true very easy of access phyllis braithwaite's mind as she picked her way down the bedraggled street wandered innocently off in a dream-place full of roses Till the muddy marble steps of her boarding place gleamed sloppily before her through the foggy rain. She sat up late that night doing improving things to the white net waist that went with her best suit, which was black. As her needle nibbled busily down the seams, she continued happily to wonder about that entirely different line. It sounded to her more like a reportership on a yellow journal than anything else imaginable. Or, perhaps, could she be wanted to join the Secret Service? At any rate, she concluded lightheartedly, as she stitched the last clean ruching into the last wrist-covering sedate sleeve, at any rate I'll have a chance tomorrow to wear Mother's gold earrings that I mustn't have on in the library. And oh, how lovely it will be to have a dinner that wasn't cooked by a poor old bored boarding-house cook or a shiny tiled syndicate and she went to bed to dream of entirely different lines all the colours of the rainbow that radiated out from the circulation desk like tight ropes she never remembered eva atkinson's carefully prettied face or her own vivid work-worn one at all she only dreamed that far at the end of the pink entirely different line a very hard one to walk There was a rose garden, exactly like a patchwork quilt, where she was to be. End of chapter 2